On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, we find ourselves in Paris, where Jessica has to help her friend, who's a fashion designer, solve a murder when she is the main suspect in what is clearly not Paris, but we'll forgive that. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast where we watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder She Wrote starring three-time Academy Award nominee, six-time Tony Award winner, and multiple Golden Globe winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today we're going to be doing the season four premiere, season four, episode one, A Fashionable Way to Die, air date September 20th. 1987. As always, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the episode, the murderer, the suspects, everything in between. Can't talk about it without doing that. So if you've not recently seen this episode and you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season 4 disc set, insert disc 1 into your DVD player. This is the first episode on that disc. If you do not own the DVDs, it is okay. All 12 seasons are currently streaming on the Roku channel, as well as the four TV movies that preceded Murder, She Wrote when it ended in 1996. Seasons 1 through 5 are also streaming for free on Freebie, formerly IMDb TV app. Also, all 12 seasons are streaming on NBC's Peacock app, but they have put them in the premium section. Therefore, if you want to watch Murder, She Wrote that way, you have to shell out $4.99 a month to be able to watch the show. If you want to watch the show without commercials, you will have to shell out $9.99 a month. I know, bummer, huh? But if you love Murder, She Wrote as much as I do and you don't want to buy the DVDs, that's the only option to you. Or watch them for free on the Roku channel or freebie. Alright. Before we get started, I hope everyone had a wonderful New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I can't believe it's 2023 already and I hope that this year is a great year for everyone involved. And I want to take a moment to talk about the passing of Barbara Walters at 93 on December 30th. What an icon. Barbara has interviewed countless people from presidents, world leaders, to abundance of celebrities, and she is a -a one-of-a-kind lady who has paved the way for several female journalists to basically do what they do. And she's an icon of epic proportions, and May she rest in peace. She had a knack for getting down to the nitty-gritty questions that and getting people to cry. And she was a wonderful woman, a hilarious woman, and just overall a great person. But she's up there in heaven with Betty White and so many iconic people that we lost in 2022. Speaking of which, I forgot to mention this. Um, I wanted to talk about the passing of Jason David Frank, um, who died at the age of 49. He played Tommy 
first the evil green ranger, then the white ranger, and he was a big, huge part of my childhood. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was my jam in the 90s, my go-to show, as well as Batman the Animated Series. Absolutely loved both of those. Um, but he inspired many people to do the martial arts thing. Not me. I, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to hit, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't have the hand-eye coordination for that. But he was such an icon as well and such a huge part of my childhood. So may he rest in peace too. I mean, he didn't recently pass away. He passed away several months ago, but I forgot to mention it on the podcast because I forgot that I wanted to mention it when it happened, but I forgot. All right, so this episode is an interesting way to open season four versus the way we close season three with that terrible finale. And, you know, literally the following Wednesday after this episode aired, the first episode of The Law and Harry McGraw aired on September 27th, 1987 with the same guy who played the blind guy in the season three finale. If you want to see that episode, it is available to watch on YouTube. If you search the law and Harry McGraw, there'll be a playlist that has all 16 episodes of the original show. I watched the first episode and I could not get into it. Why? Because it was in the style of Columbo. You knew exactly why the person was killing the person. You were just waiting for Harry McGraw and his partner, played by Barbara Babcock, to figure it out. And I don't really like shows like that. I like when we are helping the person figure it out and that we don't know ahead of time. Makes it more fun that way. And I don't know about you, but Columbo just frustrates me because you know when it starts who the killer is. You're just waiting for Columbo to figure it out. And... I constantly scream at the screen. It's the it's the husband. It's so obvious. Why haven't you figured it out yet? Ugh. <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be people like that out there. I'm not the only one. But yeah, I encourage you to at least watch the first episode. It's interesting. It's interesting. Writing-wise, costume-wise, the dress or lack thereof that they had Barbara Babcock wear at a party looks like something she would wear if she was going to bed. It just does not make any sense. Really weird. Um, so let's get into this episode. This episode is supposedly supposed to be shot in Paris. I mean, supposedly set in Paris, but it definitely was not shot there. I've, I've seen many videos on YouTube of the Universal Backlot Tour, and they do have streets that they can make look like is in Paris, but is not. And this kind of reminded me of Beverly Hills 90210 um, in the second season when Brenda and Donna go to Paris they're not actually in Paris. And while Brenda and Donna are in Paris, Kelly, after getting ending her relationship with Jake from Melrose Place, ends up getting involved with Dylan 
And it starts that whole love triangle thing. Just like starts off with that. And Brenda also encounters, you know, Superman, Dean Kane in in Paris. Um, I don't think he was playing Superman at this at this point, but he would eventually play Superman. And she's pretending to be like she lives in Paris because she has this Paris accent or whatever. I know. How can I remember all this? And then when I walk in a room, I'm like, why did I walk in this room? But yeah, it definitely was not Paris. It was the same back lot is what my point is. Because as the opening plays and we see like the these buildings, I was like, yep, universal back lot. We're not in Paris. Um, and I've never been to Paris. It looks like a beautiful country, especially the Eiffel Tower. And if you're listening from Paris, that happens to be one of the 11 countries in which is listening to me. I love your city. It's beautiful and romantic. I've never been there, though, but I've seen pictures, learned about it in school. I love Les, Les Miserables. Um, beautiful, beautiful country that you all have. And... I've never been there. You have to fly there. I don't like to fly. I mean, I would do it if I won a free trip, but I would have to be like probably drugged because just the thought of being in the air with nothing to hold on to if anything happens is just, uh, just can't do it. Nope. And, you know, it's not for me. I would rather be on a Greyhound bus looking at the scenery as I'm driving um, and to sit back and let them drive because I don't drive, you know, a car or whatever. And I would love to just, you know, enjoy the trip. But who knows if I would ever go to Paris or if I would ever go anywhere because I am not a rich person. But anyway, let's get into this episode. But I noticed, you know, I noticed right away that this was not... Well, this was not Paris because you could totally, you can tell like in some movies when they're actually in Paris versus something they're trying to make look like it's Paris and it's not. And, and you could totally tell this was not Paris. Although there was a shot that kind of fooled me where uh, Jessica's on her way to this restaurant that is clearly in the Eiffel Tower and I don't know if there is a restaurant in the Eiffel Tower because I've seen various movies where there isn't a restaurant in the Eiffel Tower. So I don't know. Like, again, I've never been there. So I could not testify to that. But it looked like that was Paris. But also, again, I don't know. <laughs> There's no trivia on IMDb that says this was filmed in Paris on location or whatever. And if it was filmed on location, then it was filmed with a with a stand-in. And they point this out in the Revealing Mistakes, where she's walking up to the restaurant, and it's clearly not Angela Lansbury. But that's nor here nor there. So this episode starts with the opening credits. People are are eating as the opening credits play. And we get introduced to a woman named Valerie who is singing in a cafe. Um, 
I recognize that the inspector in this episode has been in an episode of Murder, She Wrote before, but I can't remember. I think it was Night of the Headless Horseman, but we're going to confirm that at the end. And also, I recognized a person from Dynasty. And he is playing Maxine, who is an American investor. We go to the cafe and he is listening to Valerie sing. But he's talking to her daughter, Kim. Kim wants to be... Um, a model and he apparently can make that happen for her but his name is Maxine Sowery or something like that but we get introduced to Eva Taylor who has a shop in Paris which is called the tailored look which is so funny to me because again, Beverly Hills 90210, the original reference. Ha! Huh. Even before, you know, it was a thing. But, uh... <laughs> she's hired a model named Lou Waters. And she feels like this collection with her assistant, Peter... Is his name Peter? Yeah, Peter Appleyard. <laughs> Appleyard. I'm sorry, but that is just such a weird last name. And when he even introduced himself in the episode, I laughed. But uh, he's her assistant, and she thinks that she's going to win with this collection that she is going to be modeling. Well, Maxine just so happens to be her investor, and he has a wife named Claudia, and his mistress is Valerie, and he wants to put Valerie's daughter, Kim, in the show. Uh, Eve, Eve agrees, or Eva agrees to do this, but... She thinks that she's not going to need Maxine anymore. That this is going to put her on the map and everything is fine. She's gotten money recently from some other collection off screen. $10,000 and she's paid for Lou Waters to be in the show. Basically, Maxine basically tells her that she could have used that money to pay him back. And since she didn't now, they're going to have a 50-50 split of all her profits. And she's forced... To go ahead and do it. He draws up papers with his lawyer. Jessica comes to, to Paris just in time to see Eve's, Evie's fashion show. They go to a restaurant that I guess is supposed to be in the Eiffel Tower. I, I'm not entirely sure. Again, I'm sorry. And Evie's going to ask Jessica, you know, for help but decides not to at the last second and says that Jessica's going to love, you know, her gown. So she takes Jessica to the galley, to, to her shop, and she's showing Jessica the, the things that she's worked on. And she's like, oh my God, this, these are beautiful. 
And Kim shows up and she's modeling a red dress with a red purse that is really pretty. I like that. And there's a white and a blue one because Paris has white, blue, and red, which is their flag, versus us, who has red, white, and blue. It's interesting. But anyway, Valerie ends up showing up to see her daughter and tells her daughter to keep an eye on Max because she suspects that Max is, is with someone else. Kim refuses to be a spy and hugs her mother goodbye. Later that night, we get introduced to Max's wife, Claudia, And the fashion show starts. For the most part, um, some of the gowns are really beautiful, but some of them are not. Like the first one, it's like a like it's black, and there's like a gold gold part to it, and I didn't like that. And then um, at one point, Lou Waters comes out. And she's wearing like this black dress with with weird colors printed on it with pearls on in in the back instead of the front. And the pearls come with the dress. It's really really quite strange. But I think the three dresses that stood out in this episode was the white, blue, and red dress that they wear in the finale. Which Lou Waters puts on the wrong dress, puts on the white dress instead of the, puts on the blue dress instead of the white dress. And, you know, there's some sort of mix up. Maxine, hat before the show, has Eva sign their contract. And she's really upset. But the show goes off without a hitch. Claudia. Evie and Jessica go upstairs because Evie tells Jessica what happened. Jessica says, don't worry, I'll help you. We'll get some lawyers to break the contract. Everything will be fine. We'll go up and we'll talk to Max right now. So they all go up there. They open the door and they find that Max has been shot to death in the heart. But it turns out that he's been shot twice. We get introduced to, I cannot pronounce his name, we're just going to call him the Paris Inspector, who basically comes across as, you know, have you ever heard of the, the saying, laying it on thick? This guy lays it on, we're talking uber thick. Like, we're not talking, you know, super nonchalant. You know, we're talking really thick and throughout the entirety of the episode like Angela Lansbury doesn't like she'll start with like questions or whatever and she'll start explaining who the murderer is and he has like full-fledged monologues where he just takes over the scene and I don't understand why they did that but we'll get into that just a little bit more so he talks to 
Claudia, she says she discovered the body and decided to to leave and goes to a different suite. Um, when he meets Madame Fletcher, we get the impression that he is trying to romanticize her or whatever. And he goes, oh, yes. And I'm sorry, my French accent's going to suck. But he goes, oh, yes, Mrs. Fletcher. It is such a pleasure to meet you. You have uh, wrote a most wonderful book. Um, oh, forgive me, my English. She died at dawn. And uh, she goes, the corpse danced at midnight. He goes, that is the one. And he goes, I would love your insight on this. Um, one of the maids claims that she heard a shot at around 10.30. And... Jessica notices right away that he's been shot twice. So there had to have been two shots, not one. But the maid only heard one. Later on, another maid will come forward and said that she heard a shot too. And that's important. Very important later on. So the maid also claims that she saw a woman who is wearing a striped coat and hat running from the underwood. Running from running towards the elevator when after the shot was fired. So later that night, Jessica's in her room and she looks over and notices that um, Max's wife is back in the suite. Um, Jessica goes to see her and she's like, you might have tampered with the crime scene. And Claudia apparently knew that Max was had a mistress named Valerie and she picked up a button off the floor that matches Evie's jacket. And she goes, you might have picked up the jacket of the murderer. The, um... Eventually, the inspector comes to the conclusion that it was E.B.'s coat because E.B. happens to be wearing it when Jessica talks to her and is like, your button was found at the scene by Claudia. And she goes, my button. And she looks down and she's like, oh no, it's gone. And the inspector comes in and says, yes, this is clearly yours. And he finds the contract sitting on a table that she had signed. And Jessica points out, why would she kill him and leave the contract there to implicate herself? Also, why would she lead me there to discover the body? And he says, all good points, Madame Fletcher, but she stands to gain the most. They go and they talk to Valerie, and Valerie is having a ga an engagement in another hotel that Max has arranged. And she's packing up her office, I mean, not her office, her dressing room, and she's going to this other engagement. Um, and I don't know if this uh, actress is actually singing the songs that she sings in this episode. If she's an actual singer, it doesn't say. But uh, she's packing all her stuff up, and 
She says that she was there for her two shows, but the owner of the club says that she left during one of her shows and they're not consistent with what she said. But all arrows point to Evie and the inspector completely believes that it was her. Then when the second maid comes forward and says that she heard a shot, Jessica realizes that he was shot twice by two different people. The murderer turns out to be um, Lou Waters because they discovered a pornographic picture on Maxine's person when his body was discovered. And it turns out that she's in that picture. This happened off screen. She had come to Paris. She'd ran away from home. She got involved in a shady in a shady um, magazine publication or something. She didn't know what it was at the time. She had met Max. He was supposed to destroy the negatives, but apparently he didn't. And when she found out about it, she confronted him. She wore Eby's clothes. And she shot him when he refused because he was blackmailing her over it. And she shot him when he refused to give up the negatives or whatever. But uh, Jessica discovers this and the inspector does this whole monologue where he explains the whole thing. And Jessica sort of just stands there. But Max didn't die when Lou shot him. And when he goes to arrest her, Jessica's like, you arrested the wrong person. Because as she's listening to this, she looks at a picture on the wall of the fashion show and something clicks in her mind. And the other killer turns out to be Valerie, Max's mistress. And the reason is Max was going to go on a trip with Valerie's daughter, Kim. It's implied that Kim and Max were an item. But there's no scenes with the two of them other than the opening scene of the episode to basically establish she wants to be a model. How Jessica figures it out is that Kim's purse is not in the picture. And it turns out that when Max was shot by Lou Waters, he called Valerie to help him. Valerie came and discovered her daughter's purse on a chair in Max's room. Putting two and two together, she realized that Kim had that purse the day before when she modeled and she had it in her hand. And she also saw the plane ticket and realized that he was going to go off somewhere with her daughter. She was okay with him having a wife, but him going off and being with her daughter was too much. So she picked up the gun that Lou Waters had discarded and finished the off the job, which is why the maids heard two different shots. And she actually took the purse with her and 
when the inspector and Jessica was talking to her, they both saw the purse, but it didn't register in their mind what it meant. So Valerie killed him. But Lou got arrested for attempted murder. And they let Valerie finish her song. And then the inspector tells Jessica to pay the food bill. Which is 120 francs, which in American do dollars is only $22. But still, nice gentleman, huh? And that's the end of the episode. Overall, I mean, it's a very interesting episode. But, like, the inspector, the guy playing the Paris inspector, lays it on too thick with his accent in most scenes. And then Jessica, you know, figures out who both killers are and instead of her having the monologue where she confronts them for some reason they have the inspector do it and it makes absolutely no sense why they would do that but i loved angela lansbury's performance in this they dressed her very beautifully i liked the red white and blue dresses that they had i didn't like the rest of the costumes but i liked those and I loved how it came together in the end and actually made sense. Although it would have been nice for them to establish that him and Kim were an item. And that it wasn't just something that she assumed because her purse was there. I mean, she could have come by and thanked him for getting her the job at the, in, the, in the show. Which I don't think... I don't know that much about fashion, but I'm pretty sure that you can't just randomly be thrown into a fashion show. Because I'm sure there's already someone assigned to specific outfits that they have to wear. But what do I know? But anyway. And it was kind of hard to, to believe that Max would have a wife, a mistress, and Kim. Because the guy that plays him was on Dynasty. And he, and he's, and he didn't play a particularly memorable character on there. I don't know, but at least it made sense as to why the people killed him. Lou Waters was being blackmailed by him, and he was being crude and horrible, so she shot him, and then Valerie thought he was with her daughter, which we'll never know if he actually was, because there's no scene with Kim to confirm it. So let's go over the guest stars. Lee B E R G E R E played Max for a murder victim. I can't pronounce his last name, so that's why. Wow, and on, on his IMDb page, he has a picture of him playing Abraham Lincoln. He died in 2007 at the age of 88. He is known for Star Trek, the original series, Soap, Dynasty in 58 episodes, and Falcon Crest. In Dynasty, he played Joseph Alvarez. I think he was a limo driver or a butler. Last known credit, Time Trackers in 1989. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. 
He was also in six episodes of the miniseries North and South, where Kirstie Alley did a wonderful job in that, along with Patrick Swayze. He was in 81 different projects, and yeah, he played Lincoln in a miniseries in 1976. He also guest starred in All in the Family, Maud, The Six Million Dollar Man, Emergency, The Worldwide World of Mystery, Mission Impossible, The Man from Uncle, My Favorite Martian, The Munsters, Wagon Train, Dick Van Dyke Show, and his first known credit was in Man Against Crime in 1954. So he acted from 1954 to 1989. So that's an impressive career, sir. Good for you. Peter Appleyard was played by Bill Bryars. He doesn't have a picture on IMDb. He died in 1992 at the age of 37. Aw. He was known for Turf. No. Turf. Turf. 1985. Joe and Valerie. The Incredible Hulk and American Playhouse. He was in 13 different things. His last known credit is Santa Barbara. This is obviously his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was in the soap opera Capital. And Santa Barbara was a soap opera. A good soap opera. You can find that on YouTube too, as well as Capital. Too Close for Comfort, Chips. And Joe and Valerie was his first credited role. It was a TV show. Barnaby Jones, Quincy M.E. So he acted from 1978 until his death in 1991. Well, 92. He acted in Santa Barbara in 91. Danielle, I cannot pronounce her last name, played Kim. She's still with us. She's known for Begin Again 2013. All in the Family is Stephanie. She looked familiar. Archie Bunker's place as Stephanie. And as good as it gets. She's in 27 different projects. Last uh, known credit, Begin Again in 2013. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side. This is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote. She was in nine episodes of Days of Our Lives. Mr. Belvedere. Knott's Landing. Hotel, The Love Boat. Archie Bunker's Place. All in the Family. King of the Gypsies. And her first credited role was in 1975 in the pre- Modification or something and Kojak. I knew she looked familiar, I just couldn't place her. 
Um, Randy Brooks played Lou Waters, our first murderer and model. She is still with us. She is known for The Man with Two Brains, 1983, with uh, Steve Martin, Terror Vision, 1986, Cop, 1988, and Looker, 1981. Last known credit, Man, Man Cusco FBI. Um, she was in 39 different uh, things, Magnum P.I., Favorite Son miniseries, uh, Designing Women. Who did she play in what season? Oh, she was in the cruise episode. That's why she looked familiar to me. Um, this is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote. She was in the Kobe's. Good spinoff. Really weird spinoff. Hamburger, the motion picture. Ha <laughs> Airwolf, Who's the Boss? TJ Hooker. Hillcastle and McCormick, Simon and Simon. Which reminds me, um, when I put in the first disc for season four of Murder, She Wrote, there was, uh, like, a preview for Simon and Simon being on DVD for the first time. I've never seen that show. I would love to. Oh, she was in a TV movie called Murder Me, Murder You, The Dukes of Hazard, and her first known credit was in the movie Looker in 1991. And she hasn't acted in no long time. But she was good in this episode. Um... Claudia, the wife, was played by Tina Egg, E-L-G. I hope I said her name right. I apologize if I didn't. Um, she's still with us. She will have her birthday on March 9th. Happy early birthday. She's known for... Les Girls, 1957, The 39 Steps, 1959, Hercules in New York, 1970, and Wetzel, 1959. Last known credit, 2006, Camilla Jackpot. The mirror has two faces. Loving, a soap opera, Murder, She Wrote. This is her only episode, The Edge of Night. Soap Opera, One Life to Live, The Doctor's Soap Opera, uh, Hong Kong, Wagon Train, Guiding Light in 1980, and First Known Credit 1941. Or no, no, she was uncredited. In those. So first credit would be Guiding Life. Well, actually, no. First credit would be The Prodigal, 1955. Okay. She was good. She didn't get much to do, but she was good. Uh, Valerie was played by Juliet Prowers. Pra, 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 P-R-O-W-S-E. 
she died in 1996 at the age of 59, and she was actually singing those songs. She's a singer. She is known for Can Can 1960 with Frank Sinatra and Shirley MacLaine, G.I. Blues with Elvis Presley in 1960, Burke, Burke's Law. TV show in the Danny Thomas Hour, 1967. Yeah, her and Angela Lansbury have something in common. They both worked with Elvis in two separate movies. Angela Lansbury played Elvis's mother in Blue Hawaii, which I would love to see one of these days. And she played um, his girlfriend in G.I. Blues. Murder, she wrote, is her last known credit. She retired after this. She was in The Love Boat in four episodes, Fantasy Island, The Carol Burnett Show, and Blake's Law in two episodes, The Ed Sullivan Show, The Red Skeleton Hour, The Best Things in Life Are Free, her first known, known credited role is Can Can. That was a good movie. I saw that recently. Um, on the movie channel. It was good. E.B. Taylor was played by Barbara Rush. She's still with us. She's known for It Came From Outer Space, 1953, When Worlds Collide, 1951, Robin and the Seven Hoods, 1964, and Huh... H-O-M-B-R-E, 1967. have no idea how to say that. Last known credit, Bleeding Hearts, The Arteries of Glenda Bryant, in 2017. Before that, she was 10 episodes in 7th Heaven. She was on uh, All My Children as Nora Orsini. Oh, I remember her now. I knew she looked familiar to me, but I couldn't quite place it. This is her only episode of Murder, she wrote. A lot of one-time guest stars here. She was in Hotel, which I'd like to see that one of these days. Um, Masquerade, Fantasy Island, Night Rider, Flamingo Road, The Night the Bridge Fell Down, have no idea. Can't Stop the Music, <laughs> The Love Boat. Ironside, Mogus Welby, Night Gallery, Love American Style, Batman, Peyton Place, that was a soap opera, Outer Limits, she was in a lot of stuff, first known credit was in 1950, so she's had quite the career, career. And Fritz Weaver played our inspector, and I think this was his second episode of Murder, she wrote. He died in 2016 at the age of 90. He is known for the Thomas Crown Affair, 1999, Marathon Man, 1976, Creep Show, 1982, and This Must Be the Place, 2011. 
Last known credit, The Congressman. He has been in 141 different projects. Three episodes of the original Law & Order. Narrator for two episodes of Biography. Fraser, Promised Land. Lots of TV movies. L.A. Law. All My Children. Hugo Merrick, although I don't remember seeing him on there. But he probably was. Friday the 13th, the series. Yes. Yes, he was in Night of the Headless Horseman. I was right. And he was in season one as well. In Tough Guys Don't Die. Although that was a very brief role, so I didn't remember that one. But this is his final episode of Murder, She Wrote. He will not be in any other episodes. He was also in One Life to Live, The Twilight Zone in 1985, The Love Boat. He was in a Sesame Street movie, Don't Eat the Pictures, Sesame Street at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Creep Show, Falcon Crest. Magnum P.I., Hawaii Five-0, the miniseries Holocaust, which was really great. I found the book at my local library of that that I'm going to read. The Legend of Lizzie, Liz, Lizzie Borland with Elizabeth Montgomery. Barnaby Jones, The Wild World of Mystery. Mod Squad. Ironside, and his first role was in 1957, and his last role was up the year he died in 2016, so he acted in a lot of things. You go, sir. The Maid Marie was played by Karen Haskell. She's still with us. She's known for Psycho 3, 1986, The Young and the Restless, The Guardian, and Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, she was in The Young and the Restless from 1994 to 2012. That's her last known credit. The Guardian in three episodes, Strong Medicine. Oh my god, I love Strong Medicine. The Practice, Titans, Pacific Blue, Frasier, ER, and let's see. This is her first episode of Murder, She Wrote, but she will appear in Season 7 and Season 12. So we will see her again. Um... And the other maid was played by Bonnie Epson. She's still with us. She's known for Black Magic Woman, 1991, Barnaby Jones, The Fall Guy, and Slumber Party, 57. She was in Days of Our Lives, The Brady Brides, Greatest Heroes of the Bible, Hardy Girls, Nancy Drew, Mystery. And this is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote.
And I have some other people here. Maitre D. Larry Carr is there again as fashion show spectator, but he's uncredited. And apparently he's in a lot of Murder, She Wrote episodes that he's uncredited for, but I didn't see him. But anyway, that's um, that's the season four premiere. I can't believe it. Anyway, I hope that this new year is really great for us. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day, night, depending on when you listen to this. Happy crime solving, and I'll see you in the next one. And also, I want to remind you that I have not seen season four in a long time, so I'm like going sort of like without a net, and I have no idea what's coming next, and it's exciting. So, I'll see you in the next one, guys, and I pray for peace every night. Bye, I'll see you in the next one.